you know, I had created a mental jail out of low self-worth and it was being chimed in and solidified by my spouse. So um, it wasn't that I couldn't get up and open the front door to leave. It was that I was jailed by the mental jail that I had created. And I found myself standing in line at the Salvation Army, afraid, fearful for my life, fearful for the unknown future, and not quite sure how I was going to feed myself and my daughter. And uh, I felt paralyzed. I felt, you know, how, how am I going to do this? And a, a really caring soul said to me, it's okay, you can get through this just one day at a time. And in that moment, I thought, one day? Are you kidding me? I, I might as well just give up. I, I don't even know how I can get through a whole day. And that's where I learned to break it down five minutes at a time. I can break it down to one goal, one action, and repeat it five minutes at a time. I just kind of got this just feeling of, you know, the feeling when you get, when you feel anxiety and you feel overwhelmed. And, and then also, you know, some people may or may not resonate with, with PTSD and depression and all these emotions that hold you back from actually getting out of your own way and moving into a positive direction that is not self-sacrificing and self-destructive. I took that, all those emotions and I kind of honed them in and used them as fuel to push me forward one step at a time and pushed and pushed and pushed. And soon enough, those five minutes turned into 10, turned into 15. And I was able to clear that emotion in order to see a larger goal. That's Carolyn Colleen, and I'm Brian Felchuk. This is Do A Day. You'll hear from the most inspiring people who have been through hard times, overcome them, and have turned around to help others with what they've learned. I'm your host, Brian Felchuk. I know we can all overcome and achieve because I've lived it myself. I've written about it in my book, Do A Day, and that's why I'm bringing you this show. Remember, today's a new day. Go out and do it. Day doers, thank you for joining me for another episode of Do A Day. I get to bring you people who sometimes I've gotten to meet, I've gotten to speak on the same stage as, and that's what I get to do today. So I'm bringing you my friend Carolyn Colleen. Carolyn, uh, I've gotten to hear her speak live twice. I've heard roughly the same story, and she shares her life story as a way to move into her advice and her action, as you'll hear today. Um, I've heard it live twice. I've heard it shared a number of other ways in different places, and I'm still brought to my knees by it. It is really, um, it's inspiring, it's educational, it will give you clear guidance to overcome, to grab hold, to achieve, and it's really difficult, and it's really upsetting. And she tells it with such power and clarity, and uh, it's not that she's detached from the experience, she's in a different place with it, and she's taken something from it. But it's a lot to take in. And I, I just want to, A, give respect to the story and a bit of warning around that, that it's difficult. Um, there's abuse, sexual, physical, certainly emotional and mental. Um, there's a lot to it. There's a real struggle in this. And knowing this incredible message she has and 
being able to take it in personally myself, uh, the story has such power and value. So I'm genuinely, genuinely honored to bring you Carolyn Colleen in this episode of Do A Day. I will say as a technical note, her kids were in the background and a couple times they needed some attention. So we pieced things back together and I think it's pretty smooth, but you will hear them now and then. And if it feels like she's restarting a thought, that's probably just because we started and stopped or stopped and started. Um, but the message is unaffected, unbelievably powerful. And please listen, because if you take this in, it will change your life. Let's jump into this incredibly important and profound episode with the amazing Carolyn Colleen. Carolyn Colleen, thank you so much for joining me. I'm so excited to have you on. Yes, I'm so glad we made this work. Yeah, we're coming up on a year since the first time we got to see each other like live in the flesh, not just remotely over video. Um, we've been talking about it since then. So this is this is big for me. Lots of scheduling on both of our sides, but we made it happen. We made it happen. That's awesome. I am so excited to bring your story to my listeners because it's I've seen you I've seen you talk twice with, you know, similar kind of theme, different talk a little bit, but similar theme. And in both of them, I was left speechless both times. So that says something for how profound, not just your your message, but the way you share it, it really, really hits me. So this is huge for me having you on. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Can you give us a little high level of who you are today? And then I really want to get into that story because people need to hear about this. Yes. So um, thank you for having me. I am hailing in from the frozen tundra of <laughs> Wisconsin. Today it is a balmy negative 12. Um, and, Be positive. Uh, <laughs> Just make it 12. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> and um, yeah, me, I am a fierce mother of three. One girl, two boys. I'm an author, a speaker. I am a business and life strategist, a PhD um, executive coach and, um, several other things as well. Yes. Um, I lead a cancer center here in the Midwest, mm. um, leadership team. And, uh, basically I build strategy for how, uh, to best serve our patients at the worst time of their life. So, um, so yeah, it's very fulfilling work and I, I'm, I feel very, uh, blessed yeah. to have that experience. The like you just listed a lot of things, but actually there is a there's a joining theme and what you just said about your work with cancer patients is is actually kind of a nice way to bring that together is helping people at whether it's the worst worst moment in their life or a moment where they're stuck and there's great opportunity like in a business setting. I mean maybe it's mm -hmm. not the worst moment in the business's life, but do they know where they're heading, how to achieve what they can really achieve and helping people figure out those strategies and that, that word fierce I know comes up many times exactly. in what you do, but I love that. Absolutely love that. Um, and like all the best people doing that work, you know firsthand what that's really about. And that's the reason why you're here today. So excited for this. So, all right. Not to be giddy about a really tough story, but it's so powerful. Um, take us through a little bit about what got you to where you're at. Yes. It's interesting. You know, life is an interesting journey and really it's, uh, taking a look at what happened to you and how might that uh, be challenged into working for you. Mm -hmm. So within my childhood, I grew up with a, uh, a mother who had 
mental health challenges. Um, and growing up in a household with that, um, it, it was difficult. So yeah. my definition of what love was started at a very early age, uh, being molded by uh, my overly friendly neighbor boy mm. who uh, sexually molested me and continued to do so for the duration of time we lived next door. Now, with that skewed vantage point of what love was and being molded at such a young age, combined with growing up in a household with a mom who meant very well, um, she meant well, but she had um, those challenges of um, untreated mental health. Now, some days were great. You know, some days, you know, she, I was the apple of her eye and, she, and it was wonderful. And some days were bad and really bad. Um, and that roller coaster of a childhood. So, you know, we would have adventures and we'd have fun. And then some days I'd be, be reminded that I was adopted and I had to earn my keep. Oh. Um, my mother, too, uh, with coping mechanisms. Yeah. So when you're with with uh, not having an actual professional um, help uh, with the untreated mental health, she coped. And she coped with hoarding. So if you can imagine uh, a small child growing up in a house filled with crap, just yeah. stuff, yeah. broken stuff, things everywhere, um, you know, crap up to your armpits and sometimes over your head. Um, and, you know, there, I had a path from my bathroom to my bedroom um, that when you when you're standing in the middle of the room and you're thinking about being in that space, just loads of things everywhere. And then um, thinking about what the what smells like, the smell of cockroach spray and the, you know, scatter of a mouse here and there. Um, it was overwhelming, um, but also it was what it was. Now, my mom as well, she met very well in opening our home to people who were down on their luck, hmm. people who were maybe homeless or needed a place to stay and a warm meal. And again, you know, people in that situation, some of them were very grateful to even, even though amongst the hordes, a place to stay in a warm meal. And some were very grateful. Yeah. And some of those people sought to abuse that um, showing of love and empathy. And they sought to abuse my sister and I. And as an older sister, now I'm, I'm eight years older than my sister, uh, to protect her, I would offer myself in her place as they sought to steal our innocence. How, I, I'm, I mean, this, this is where the speechlessness comes in to even comprehend this, what you experienced. And it, I remember when you were talking about that protection for your sister. And just the love that pours out for you, the strength that you can see in that. And it's not like you're a young adult, like you're still a child yourself. Having that clarity, where did that come from? How did you know to be in that role? Because again, it's, you look at your mother while she means well, she's not necessarily teaching you what it's about to care for and protect and love someone. And yet you found that to do that for your sister. 
You know, it's something that uh, I still, I feel that even with a very um, unpredictable yeah. life uh, growing up, um, I was I, I was eight years older than my sister. And so that, that kind of feeling of being a bigger sister. Now, people that are, you know, the eldest in the family might have that, you know, innate feeling, mm. right? So there's that birth order piece. Um, so I felt that I was her protector mm-hmm. in that being eight years older. And, um, and I did so. I, I protected her and I loved her um, as the older sister, as the, the, the first the first in the family. So, um, yeah, I took that on and I, I feel that as an older sibling, I think that perhaps maybe most would do that. I'm not sure, but it was something that I knew that I needed to do. And, um, so, so I wanted to make sure that my sister was protected and she was. And so, um, growing up, we've always been very close and even to this day, we're very close. And she's only an hour. Uh, she's only um, actually ten minutes away. Oh wow! And so yeah, we talk every day. And I actually have flowers to uh, deliver to her today. And um, yeah, we're just we're very close. And so yeah, growing up um, again, it was it was uh, it was tough. And we grew as kids. We grew, um, and that's what kids do. They grow, and you kind of go along with what's happening. We didn't really know that it was very different than anyone else. Yeah. Um, and in that space, that was our life. And my dad, he worked on the road. He didn't live with us. Um, most of the, our upbringing, he, he worked on the road and we actually lived in different towns and he would send money home. And sometimes he'd be home, uh, but only for maybe a day. Yeah. And then he would leave again. And so it was my mom and my sister and I, were the two and, of them still together? Your, yes. Your mother, okay. They, mm-hmm. Yep, they were. And, you know, as, as we continued to grow and, and learn, I look back and in a way to kind of appreciate the the good and the bad. Yeah. My, as I moved into my teenage years, it was very overwhelming. Um, I worried about going to school and yeah. leaving my sister. Um and I worried about being at school without her and what, you know, what if she'd be okay. Because as my, my, my mother, you know, she had a hard time conceiving children. And when my sister was born, her mental health um, declined. Yeah. So you, so, were, you were adopted, but your sister was theirs biologically? Yes. Okay. Was that made clear? I mean, it sounds like you were saying before with the whole you have to earn your keep that mm-hmm. it was made clear to you that you're not, you know, you're not their biological child and you have to prove your worth. You know, and that dependent, it was on either, you know, and that's the thing is, is with untreated mental health, some, you know, some days are great. Yeah. And I felt very, very loved and, and, um, and some days were just horrible. Yeah. And so you just never know what you're going to get. In the, in the world, the living on, on eggshells and, and, um, and not knowing what's going to happen next. Yeah. And then of course the people that came in and out of our, um, of our home being sexually abused by both men and women, mm. um, was just overwhelming. Yeah. And, um, I remember, I remember as a teenager, I, 
I had my first love and my first boyfriend and, um, and also, you know, that stress of just being a teenager and we broke, uh, my boyfriend and I, we broke up and I had given him a heavy load of being that person that might save me from this situation. Yeah. So I remember, um, breaking up with my boyfriend and waking up in an emergency room uh, surrounded by providers who were trying to pump the 25 sleeping pills I took out of my stomach wow. in which to numb the pain. Now, I had a combination of that defeat of breaking up with my first boyfriend, the the chaos happening at home, and I thought, you know, if this is if this is what it is, I don't I don't want it. Yeah. How old were you? I was 16. And when I returned home after that 72-hour hold, I came home to my sister, defeated, angry. Um, and my sister, there she was in our room, no bigger than a walk-in closet. Who, and she was angry at me, of course. Yeah. And she said to me, don't you ever leave me. And I realized in that moment that I was a shining star yeah. to another person. You know, when you're a teenager, a lot of, you know, a lot of all of the confusion that you, you struggle with and then combining the other uh, environmental things, I, um, I realized that I truly was meant to be there for her. Yeah. And I promised her I'd never leave again. Yeah. Um, but it didn't mean I stopped running. <laughs> and, uh, and I, I, um. I ran right into the arms of a man who reflected my self-worth. Uh, I became pregnant and married, and that was at age 19. What was your sister's reaction to that? Um, you know, she was at that point about 10, um, 11, and she was excited for a baby, yeah. um, you know, like a pseudo little sister. Um, but, you know, she's too young to realize the situation I was in. Yeah. Did she feel abandoned? Um, she felt jealous. Uh, yeah. Interesting. And and a bit of abandonment as well. Um, competition because she, you know, I, I basically raised my little sister yeah. as my own, and um, and so then having another child come along, um, it was hard for her. Yeah. And then on top of that, being in a relationship that was very abusive. Yeah. Um, mentally abusive, and um, I left before it got physical. But just to paint a picture, you know, we as humans tend to choose significant others that reflect how we see ourselves. And that's exactly what I did. I understood what love was at that point, at a, you know, a young age of 19, um, that I understood that love was being afraid um, being told you're worthless and um, in being controlled both by my mean having my weight controlled, what I eat controlled, my time and money controlled. Uh, that's what I understood love was. I understood that if that if that piece was missing and if he didn't, you know, he wasn't screaming and scaring, uh, scaring and screaming at me and coring me into the um, in, into a corner 
on accusing me of um, cheating and, and lying and, and doing all these things because I was very worthless, that um, that wasn't love. Mm. So that constant eggshell yeah. feeling and roller coaster has continued because yeah. that's all I knew uh, until my daughter was born. And um, I realized that there had to be something more. And if it wasn't for myself, I was going to seek it for my child. Mm. So I had to, um, I had to borrow the love I had for my daughter until my self love caught up. And that's, that's what I did. Yeah. I mean, that, that is such a beautiful sentiment, uh, in terms of something to grasp for survival mm-hmm. where you know, it's easy to talk about self-love and how important it is, but where you were at, it wasn't just going to be there for you all of a sudden. Um, uh, just being able to see how you feel for your daughter and be like, this is going to be, this is going to be me for now till I get us through. Exactly. And, um, it was, it was rough. It was hard. You know, I had created a mental jail out of low self-worth um, negative self-talk, disbelief in who I was, and it was being chimed in and solidified by my spouse. So um, it wasn't that I couldn't get up and open the front door to leave. It was that I was in jailed by the mental jail that I had created. Hmm. And so it was very difficult to get up the courage to leave. And not only that, it was also physical. You know, my, my spouse, he, he could see that there was a change and he promised me that if I were to think of leaving, he would end my life and then his own so that we could be together forever. So it wasn't only the mental portion, but also the physical fear. Yeah. Um, and while he was gone. Uh, one day while he was gone at work, in between the 15-minute increments of, of calls that he would make to make sure that I was doing what he asked me to do, um, I left. And I left with one uh, toddler bed and two boxes. And I found myself standing in line at the Salvation Army, afraid, fearful for my life, fearful for the unknown future, and not quite sure how I was going to feed myself and my daughter. Yeah. And in that moment, I remember standing there, um, fluorescent lights with my daughter, people all around, um, standing in line, waiting, um, and thinking, is this my life? Is this really my life? This is not what I had imagined it would be. And uh, I felt paralyzed. I felt, you know, how, how am I going to do this? Yeah. What am I going to do? And I, um, I can just picture the room just paralyzed. And I had to think of a way in which to move forward, move forward and keep smiling so I didn't scare my daughter, mm. and um, and think of a strategy like this can't, this will not be her life, and that's what yeah. I determined. Yeah. And a really caring soul said to me, you know, they saw the look on my face, like deer in headlights and just scared. And they said, it's okay. You can get through this just one day at a time. And in that moment, I thought, 
one day? Are you kidding me? I, I might as well just give up. I, I don't even know how I can get through a whole day. Yeah. And that's where I learned to break it down five minutes. Five minutes at a time, I can break it down to one goal, one action, and repeat it five minutes at a time. I realized, you know, all I just kind of got this just feeling of, you know, the feeling when you get when you feel anxiety and you feel overwhelmed. And, and then also, you know, some people may or may not resonate with with PTSD and depression and all these emotions that hold you back from actually getting out of your own way and moving into a positive direction that is not self um, self-sacrificing um, and self-destructive. Yeah. I took that, all those emotions and I kind of honed them in and used them as fuel to push me forward one step at a time. One thing I needed to do in that moment is I needed to secure a place to live. Two, I needed to secure food. Three, I needed to smile. So took a deep breath, identified that one goal, and then moved forward and pushed and pushed and pushed. And soon enough, those five minutes turned into 10, turned into 15. And I was able to clear that emotion in order to see a larger goal. Now, there's a story that I don't know if I shared with you. I um, I got into low-income housing through the county. Yeah. And the first night that I was there, um, I was so grateful just to have a place to go. Um, and the first night I was there, I got an, a frantic knock at the door. It was about five in the afternoon. And it was a woman saying, you're the only one with a phone. I need to use your phone because somebody just got stabbed about a block away. And I let her in and she used the phone, called the police. The police came, figured out, you know, who did what or whatever, but they were just using my phone in order to report. And that was, you know, an hour and a half later, I closed the door, locked it. Yeah. And I stood there for a minute and I thought, I am not, this is not acceptable. Yeah. I will be out of here in one year. And uh, no idea how, no idea how I was going to do that. But I promised myself and my daughter that this will not stand and I will be out of here in a year. And on the same day that I got the keys is the same day that I moved out the next year. Wow. And it was practicing that, 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 um, that tool that I, I thought of five minutes at a time, yeah. you know, I, I didn't, I didn't, um, I had to be able to take all the bad things, all the anger, all of the things that had happened. Um, and yes, I was very angry. I had yeah. a lot of anger. I had a lot of emotional, um, angst and, um, and I, and I had a lot of flashbacks of what would occur and those things could hold me back, but I wasn't about to let them. So, I used them. I said, not, not right now. I'm going to push toward my goal five minutes at a time. And I'm going to use that emotion in order to kick on my um, fight or flight mechanism and push me in a positive direction. So every time I would feel that uh, PTSD, that anxiety, that overwhelm, that fear, 
or I'd start having flashbacks, I would kick on that fight or flight mechanism. And I would think not today. They're not winning. It is, this is my choice and I'm going to move in a positive direction for these five minutes. That is an incredible amount of strength in the face of what can be really crippling and very easily take us over. And it's not coming from anything light. I mean, the the things that you've recounted, any one of those is more than any human should go through in a life cycle. And you've been through multiples of them at this point, nonstop. It's, it's, it's obviously it's, it's a lot for anyone to face, but how do you think you were able to have that strength? Did it really hit you in that five minute kind of realization it's like setting up these, it's five minutes and I'm going to achieve that five minutes and then, and you build it. Is Was this like a growing feeling in you? It really, yeah, it really just started with that five minutes and it, it, it started with, you know what? I can do something I don't want to do for five minutes because hmm. I don't want, you know, when you're in that space, you just want to hide. Yeah. You want to give up. You want to forget about it and, and and avoid or do whatever necessary to get the pain to go away. Yeah. Um, and I had to choose to do something I did not want to do for five minutes. Mm. And as I continually practiced that more opportunities came, Mm. it became clearer. So right away, it just simply was that five minutes taking a deep breath and pushing. And then as I continued, it evolved. And as I evolved and as I, as I evolved this five minutes, I started to learn that, Hey, I'm able to get through a whole day. It's not as overwhelming now. And Hey, I can start to create some bigger goals, some more long-term ones. So that's where my one year goal came from of getting out of that low income housing situation and reverse engineering it down to five minutes. So, yeah, you know, it only started with just, hey, you know what, I'm going to suck it up and I'm going to do this for five minutes. And then it evolved into a bigger concept. Uh, it's not it's not um, eating those feelings. It's not ignoring them. It's not cowering in them. It's about or, or just kind of just powering through it for the sake of being done with it. It's powering through it for the sake of being stronger on the other side. Mm-hmm. And not having to do that particular five minutes stint ever again. Now you're going to tackle the next one and your muscles are bigger now. Exactly. Building resilience. Yeah. And yeah, it wasn't as it continually evolved, I was able to then create bigger goals. Yeah. And look back at, hey, I did that. I do have the courage. I do have the ability. I do have the resilience to keep getting back up. And that built my confidence um, that I didn't have before. Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, exactly. It made me stronger. Um, and as I continually practiced this, that I continually evolved. And I, and I continued to create more space to redefine what love was. So you get yourselves out mm-hmm. to a safer place, a better place for your daughter. How old is she at this point? So um, when we left, she was 18 months. When I got out of um, the next space, uh, she was almost three. So it's fast, it's fast timing. She's still young, but mm-hmm. old enough that 
I mean, she's seeing and aware of things, maybe not understanding. Right. So what's, what's the next phase? Uh, the next phase was, okay, um, I'm going to dream a little bit bigger now. And what does that look like? So I registered for school full time. I worked full time and much more while helping to raise my little sister and um, raising my daughter yeah. with no child support. That's right. Your sister's still, still part of the picture. Mm-hmm. And, um, and continued on and I pushed. And, and so as my, as my, my goals and as I got more confident, this five minute tool evolved. And so I used it in my work. I used it in my career and I continued to tweak it and, um, and continue to push toward bigger goals. And so, um, my goal to get, you know, get through my undergrad, my goal to get through my master's and then my goal to get to my PhD. Right. I just continued to create bigger goals as I gained more confidence. And so, you know, looking back now, you know, my daughter's 21 and my sister's grown and has her own son. Being able to um, help other women and people um, identify, okay, yeah, my, my, um, there are a lot of things that I overcame and there are a lot of things that happened that never should have happened. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not saying that it's right. I'm saying, and I'm not saying that I, um, it's okay that I, I like, like you should be grateful. They're absolutely not. But I'm saying that you can look back and see what things you can identify as adverse advantages. So the adversity that I experienced, for example, having, having a parent who struggled with mental health there, you know, you're walking on eggshells. It's very unpredictable. Things can be great, but things can be awful. And it all, you know, you just kind of have to, you learn to move with it. Now there's the, there's the downside of maybe accepting relationships that um, don't serve you, but there's the upside of now I have the ability to flex. Mm-hmm. I have, I have empathy. I have uh, critical thinking skills in survival, right? And I build large strategy because I'm able to see different ways in which to flex through systems. And so what's the advantage of being of, of having a uh, unpredictable environment is that you're able to now today I can work in an unpredictable situation or see unpredictable situations and kind of bring them together to create sustainable processes. I can also help other people see the the gifts that they might have. So um, yes, there were very bad days in my in my upbringing, but there are also very great days. And appreciating those great days and focusing and remembering some of those wonderful things. Yeah. Um, same thing with going from standing in line at the Salvation Army to PhD to um, to a successful career um, and being able to help other people is all right. Um, how do I problem solve getting out of low income housing? Because once it's a spiral and it's a trap. <laughs> and so um, today I, again, I build strategy and I help businesses figure out how to create something out of nothing, how to bring out the gifts of the people that you have on staff and, and raise them to a, um, a, a higher level and create sustainable businesses yeah. and turn around that bottom line. 
And you can do that in your life and you can do that in your business. And so um, helping people and businesses identify, okay, yeah, we've been through tough times, but how can you look at it in a new way in which to, in to wish to create something great? Yeah. Adverse advantages. Exactly. It's a really interesting concept. It's, it's like Marcus Aurelius Anderson talks about the gift of adversity. It's your, it's similar, but you're talking about it as Siri thinks I'm talking to her. That's not good. Um, it's a, it's a basis for the growth that then sets you up for the next one. And it's, exactly. I think if anyone heard you sort of rattle off the education and the achievement and you just sort of whiz by it, it's unreal. Look, even as for someone who didn't have everything else on their plate, that's a ton to accomplish. And when you think about everything else you had going on, um, to come from what you've come from and had all of the barriers and smackdowns that you faced and to get to that place is it's unbelievable and proof positive that we actually have that ability to achieve despite the fact that we probably don't see it in any one of the moments when we're feeling that crush and that's right back to the five minutes because mm -hmm. you right. never you wouldn't i'm sure you would never have gotten to that if you just stood in that crushing space no 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 i had Many other choices that I could have made. Yeah. Most definitely. Um, and I, yeah, I just, I feel blessed to be able to, to have the opportunity to, to have thought, you know what, I'm just going to do this for five minutes. And that's where it began. Yeah. And you've created not just for yourself, but generational opportunity from a place that may have led to generational trap. Right. Yeah. Breaking out of the the circle of poverty and breaking out of the circle of um, um, abuse. Yeah. And you know, you know, what was fun is that letting letting go of my daughter on her first day of college. Um, you know, I'm crying and trying not to, you know, embarrass her and yeah. <laughs> her, I, I say goodbye. And as I'm watching her um, just leave and go off with her group on orientation, I think, wow. All that girl has to worry about is how to buy ramen noodles at Target. Yeah. And, um, to, you know, to think that she, that's, that's the biggest of her worries. Yeah. Thanks to you. Thanks to, thanks to many. Yeah. Thanks to many people that, in, that, uh, I knew, I knew you wouldn't and, just say yes. Um, <laughs> I had, I, I have had wonderful, support and and I want to I want to share that um support in the community that I that mm. I ra was raised in the community um support has been beautiful and the people that I have met along my journey yeah. to support me because your family is really who you make it yeah and um I'm very grateful for that and and on top of that I'm grateful that within this tool that I created five minutes at a time, I let go of ego in which to accept yeah. the help from the community. Because, you know, when I was younger and in this space, don't get me wrong, I was stubborn. And I thought, you know, I can, I'll figure this out. I'll figure this out on my own. But, you know, you, you, you can figure certain things on your, out on your own, but you will not get to the level of success um, that you may have wished for alone. 
Yeah. And so I'm just glad that I, I was in some way uh, able to set my ego aside and accept guidance from the community uh, that I live in. There's something about you when I think about what you've achieved that you're obviously incredibly strong, incredibly intelligent, incredibly driven, and yet you are a very pure, honest, relatable, kind person. And that's why I knew when I was like, thanks to you, and you didn't just take that. And you're, you're right. There's more to it than that. But I didn't expect to be like, yeah, I did all that. <laughs> um, I was setting you up. But that's, that's something that strikes me really profoundly is how real you are at the same time. Because you, you could have become a very different person in many different directions. And I think who you are is not just you know amazing achievements and the way that you're giving back. There's just something in your soul that comes across really naturally. Um, and that's why I find myself kind of floored every time I get to be in your presence. Um, today, inclusive, I think this is probably the least I've spoken throughout the storytelling for any of the guests because A, I don't want to get in the way and B, I'm also, even though I've heard it, like I'm still processing it every time. Um, so thank you. Thank you for, <laughs> thank you for being who you are. It really, really comes across clearly. It's very touching. Thank you. I appreciate your kind words. That's wonderful. I, we always need to hear, you know, hear what, how we're perceived in the world. And I, I'm, I feel grateful. Thank you. And I'm glad I got to meet you because through our circles, we, we just were able to come together in a yeah. line at the right time. Yeah. And we had some good laughs over Mexican food. That is well. true. There's nothing <laughs> wrong with that. Um, Carolyn, where, where can people dig into more of this? And, and this five minutes at a time concept, being yes. fierce, you teach this in your amazing book. It's, you know, not just for the people who get to work with you one-on-one -on -one or, um, you know, in, in coaching and, and leadership roles, but where can people get more of your knowledge and, and learn how to apply this to their own lives? They can go straight to my website. So at carolyncolleen.com, you can get my five-minute guide. So it's my fierce action guide, and it'll walk you through breathing, identifying the goal, taking action, and doing that five minutes at a time. And then and then goal setting and re, reverse engineering. And truly being able to use this tool throughout the day. Um, I, I use it in many different ways, and many people use it in, in many different ways throughout their, their day. So uh, on my website, you can find it, carolyncolleen.com. That's great. And I will link to that. I'll link to the book and hopefully more of your work that I can dig up because there's a lot of different ways to take in what you do. So the more that people get to take in, it's, it's really impactful. And I think they got just a snippet of that today. Um, so I would definitely encourage people to get more of what you have going on. Um, is there anything else that you want to leave people with before we close things out? I just want to say, you know, no matter what happened five minutes ago, the next five minutes is yours to decide where you want to go with it. And that's really beautiful. And I should say, we got into this five minutes versus a day thing at this conference we were both speaking at. And I think people were having fun with our two concepts, but it's really the same thing. A day is not a day for me. It's about the present moment. And that's where you're standing in when you said, okay, what, do I'm, what am I going to achieve in the next five minutes that's going to get me out of this place? And then the next one, and then the next. It's not about 
the whole year that lies ahead or or beyond that, regardless of whether there's a goal there or not. Um, so your your message absolutely resonates with me. It's not that we get in a battle over time. We can <laughs> our two our two time concepts get to coexist. Um, Carolyn, thank you so much for making this happen and taking time out of your life and your time with your kids um, to come and do this with me today. Thank you. Are you uh, are you ready to help me close out the show? Yes. All right. Today is a new day. Get out there and do a day. Awesome. Or five minutes. And five. Five minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. This was a powerful, very real, very moving story with a very powerful and real message to take away from it. She said it perfectly right at the end. No matter what happened five minutes ago, the next five minutes is yours to decide where to go with it. I love that. Like that couldn't be any more powerful, strong, clear to reframe where you're at in every moment. And I think a lot of us, whether it's in maybe less extreme situations than Carolyn experienced or perhaps more extreme, we all have these emotions tied to it. And using this approach, this fierce five-minute approach, we can channel that pain, that emotion, as a fuel to push us ahead and to get us to a better place. And there's so much more detail that obviously we didn't get into, but this woman is hugely successful, impacts so many lives. Her day job that she kind of glossed over is big, and she literally impacts lives through helping hospitals save lives. You can create anything from anything, and this is proof positive, the story that Carolyn shared and the approach she uses. So I hope you will take it in. And remember, no matter what happened five minutes ago, the next five minutes is yours to decide where to go. Brilliant place to leave it. Check out Carolyn's website. I will link to it and the Fierce Action Guide. Give a direct link to that. Check it out. It's really valuable. Grab her books. I'll link to those. You can follow her on social media. The whole nine. Super, super valuable and just brilliant, powerful, brilliant stuff. She's an incredible human being. I'm so thankful and grateful to have gotten to know her. Thanks to Mark Crandall, who made that connection for us. Um, I've had Fernando Flores here before. She is the one who introduced me to Fernando. So it's just a good, happy family. Like she says, we, we choose the family that we create and the support that is there all around is really beautiful. Now I mentioned this in episode 100, make sure if you're struggling with things, you think about this being the right time to get some help. And I've made the Do-A-Day Masterclass available for just $47. It's normally $897. So it's $850 off. Go to brianfeltruck.com, click on Courses, add the Masterclass. It's the only one in there right now. The Do-A-Day Masterclass. Add that in, and you'll see towards the top little question about if you have a coupon, click there and just type in episode 100. All one word, 100 for 100. So episode 100, it will discount the price by $850. I want to see people address where they're at and where they're heading. And this is a great tool to do that and to get deep on your time. All right. I hope that resonates with you. I hope Carolyn's message resonates with you. 
I'm going to say what she said one more time. This will be the third time in this closing, but it's that important. No matter what happened five minutes ago, the next five minutes is yours to decide where to go with it. Be mindful, be directed, be empowered, and create your path. Go out and do it.